It's Hour 2 Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, every Saturday and Sunday night. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton with you up until the midnight hour tomorrow night. It'll be Tim Unglesby and Las Vegas radio personality Chris Wynn sitting in for Tommy B, doing a much-deserved vacation. And, and Tom, we're going to jump into your your both of our favorite sport here, and that's Major League Baseball, and there's good time in the Major League Baseball as we've reached the unofficial halfway point in the, in the season. A little, if you're really looking at the half-halfway point, they've played a little over that. But that means, Tom, now that we've gotten the All-Star game out of the way, that means the trade deadline is the next big happening thing in the Major League Baseball two weeks away. And now we're going to really see these trade talks creep up. I just want to kind of look at some of the guys that we – pretty much they're going to consider moving teams. doesn't always happen that way, but I think there's a couple we probably agree on that will be moving to a different destination, and I'll just start out with this one, and we'll go to Colorado. We saw Trevor Story in the All-Star game, got a great reaction from the home crowd. Most notably, I would think, Tommy, because it would probably be his last time as a Rocky there. Yeah, look, the Rocky organization, they didn't uh, mint words, and basically they said, we are not trading him before this because we, they wanted him to have his moment in the sun, and his moment in the sun was also being in the home run derby, right? I mean, he got to be in the home run derby, got to be in the all-star game. Trevor Story's, you know, the guy there. I'm in a dynasty league, and I mentioned this many times, where we draft minor leaguers right away, where, you know, you were briefly in the league. You, you know how serious we take it. I've had Trevor Story from the very beginning, and Trevor Story's always been a guy that had an uphill battle. He had 20-20 potential, and, his the early part of his minor league career, but everyone said, ah, you know, he's, he's going to be like a Brandon Wood. There's a blast for the past. He's going to be like a 220 hitter. This man has transformed himself with the Colorado Rockies organization. And with, you saw during the home run derby, his best friend, Nolan Arenado. I mean, they, they're doing the right thing. Now that's over. <laughs> okay. That's over and done with Colorado's atrocious. They got nine wins on the road all the year. They're a terrible team. I believed that they were going to keep him through this homestand, okay? You have the Dodgers coming in. It's a homestand. Um, I don't think he's going to be there long after this. There are a lot of teams now that, because you waited, are going to try to shortchange you. But now there's a lot more names. And I'll give you a good example. The word is that Francisco Lindor might be out four to six weeks. You don't think the Mets could use him? And then when Lindor comes back, you throw Story at first base or at second base, and that's the thing about Trevor Story. He came up as the minor leaguer as a second baseman, but they said he had a third baseman's arm. So I don't think it's a, tr- a, a tricky question to say where do you want him to play? You know, where do you think he should play? I always thought that St. Louis was a perfect landing spot for him. They don't have a shortstop worth a, worthwhile at all. He absolutely loves Arenado. But speaking to people in Colorado that are still livid over the ridiculous, just horrendous deal that Arenado came back for where they, they, they robbed him. I mean, look, they just robbed him. They don't want to do another bad deal with the same organization and watch these two flourish in, in St. Louis. And it would be a bad look if St. Louis ever did kind of sign story, win a championship. Oh, my goodness, what, what did they do without two stars but what we couldn't do? So... I got that mentality. I thought Milwaukee was the team, but Milwaukee went out there and they got their shortstop already. Now, could they still use his bat? This Milwaukee team is one bat away from being a World Series contender. They have a one-two-three that's dominant. They have an eight-nine guy that's dominant. Um, they just can't hit. Christian Yelich, I don't know what happened to him. He, he, want to talk about uh, movies? You know, he got his his talent ripped out by like the, the goon squad because Christian Yelich just cannot hit anymore. So Trevor Story, Milwaukee, and St. Louis have their storylines, and they make sense. I just don't think that it's going to come to fruition. All I keep hearing is the Oakland A's. Now, I told you, I did speak to Michael Kay, legendary broadcasting voice for the New York Yankees, Brian Hoke, who covers the New York Yankees for Major League Baseball TV in the last two weeks. Both of them were fairly adamant that 
No, neither one of them believed that Trevor Story was coming to New York. I, I, they didn't even think that it was kind of a, a, a thought process because he's a right-handed bat. They're still going with Glaber Torres, and that's that. So when you start to break it down, all I keep hearing is Oakland, maybe rumblings of a little San Francisco, and now the Mets are in play. So by waiting, by the way, I think Colorado opened up a lot of advantages, but we go back to the idea that if Oakland is trading for Trevor Story, they are doing it on a pure rental basis. And every day that goes by comes a day closer that they go, yeah, we're only renting him for two months here, right? Oakland's not signing him long-term. I don't believe San Francisco is looking at him as a long-term fix. He's a rental. I don't believe the Mets are looking at him as a long-term fix either. So the three biggest teams that I believe are in play right now are the Mets, Oakland, and San Francisco, none of which have any designs to sign him long-term. So what can Colorado possibly get back for this guy? That's the problem. The team that I see popping up now a lot is the Chicago White Sox, Tommy. And I know they have Tim Anderson. But you just said it when you talked about what the Mets could do. Why not put Story at second base in, in, on, in Chicago? Garcia... Obviously, that's an upgrade there with Story. You put another bat on it with their Breu, uh, Mokata, Vaughn. You know, puts another power bat in that lineup, and they're a first place team that's that's looking to to win the series. I mean, they have a farm system that could they could get a good piece back if you're Colorado. So you know that makes sense to me too, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Tony Larusa push for something like that. You know, I've heard that also, and I spoke to some people in Chicago, so I'll give you their opinion on it, um, which coincides with my opinion on it. They don't need offense, okay? And this is coming from people there, and my own opinion kind of mixed into one. They have Eloy Jimenez coming back, okay? They also have Luis Robert coming back. Now, sure, you could say, well, you know what? They, they don't play second base, and Nick Madrigal is there. But they're probably going to need some pitching help, Tim. Lance Lynn's your one. Giolito's your two. Who's your three? Is it Dylan Cease? Because he's coming up on an innings issue. Who's going to be your number three? And you go, Tom, shouldn't worry about a three. But if you're worrying about going and getting a Trevor Story, then you should be worrying about getting a number three because you do have Eloy and uh, Luis Roberts coming back up the system here. Um, I do believe that the White Sox could be a, a kind of a throwing contender here for it just because... Look, if they got them, I, I, I think I, they might be a World Series favorites now, but if they got them, all of a sudden they're World Series favorites. I, I mean, that's from the American League. I think they overtake uh, Houston. So it's a big get, but it seems more like a fantasy baseball kind of pie-in-the-sky look as opposed to a real-life sort of, well, that makes a lot of sense. The team that, you know, I, I've heard a little bit of rumblings on them going, you know, maybe maybe a week or two ago, I could have bought in. Maybe I could have bought into it. I just can't right now. I can't wrap my head around them doing something like this. Is the Washington Nationals. You know, first they were buyers, then they were sellers, then they went, what, 18 and 4 in the first 22 games in June. Then they went on a six game losing streak where they had a four game home losing streak against San Diego. Then Max Scherzer was on the block. Now he's not. But you look at Washington, you go, you know, they're only about, what, six, seven games out of first. They have Max Scherzer pitching like he, he, you know, just jumped back in time. Steven Strasburg's coming back. Juan Soto is finally starting to find his stroke. Maybe Juan Soto's, Soto's coming back. And you could very easily put him or Trey Turner at second because both of them have played second base. All of a sudden now I'm going, maybe I would buy into Washington. But so much can change in a week because, look, Tim, four days ago, five days ago, when they were five games back, I was going, you know what? I can see Washington. Hey, you come out, now all of a sudden, 6-7, it's a different world. It's a completely different world. Yeah, I, don't, I, I scratched Washington off the list, and, and we'll actually touch on them here in a second. I just wanted to, to close on the White Sox here, because I, I knew you were going to ask. I knew you were going to say they don't have the pitching. I knew you were going to say that. We've known each other too long, man. So two things behind this, this theory that um, – Possibly story could end up in Chicago. You had said they don't need the offense. Well, the Golden Knights didn't need offense either, right, Tom? You can never have too much offense. So on the back end of the pitching situation, 
why not tie in same guy in the same situation? He's a free agent to be. Package. Put the package together. You send Story. You send John Gray to Chicago. That gives him a third starter, and and really makes them the the odds-on favorite favorite to win the national American League. Excuse me. I like it. I like that package. So, what is the return? You know, yeah, I don't know. The White Sox have some young players, but they're supposed to contribute right now. You know, their players are supposed to be contributing right now. Andrew Vaughn would be my ask if I'm the the Rockies. Rockies have uh, you know a big hole at first base that that's been left there since Todd Helton left. Andrew Vaughn's my ask. White Sox are saying no. All right, Nick Madrigal is injured. You know, he's a nice player. Uh, are you going to give up Madrigal? White Sox are probably saying no, because we don't know if we're going to re-sign Trevor Story. We're not giving up anybody important, and then their their system goes a little weak. Here's the team that I'm going to throw at you that's scary from a Yankees perspective. What about the Boston Red Sox going out there and doing a John Gray or a Jermaine Marquez with a Trevor Story? expecting story to play second base because right now you have what Kiki Hernandez there and that pitching staff all of a sudden goes from all right you know what they got some back-end problems I don't know if I believe in Eduardo Rodriguez and his five and a half ERA uh yeah you put John Gray as a number three you put Jermaine Marquez would become your number one and Trevor Story plus they just called up their guy Jared Duran it would take listen Colorado would do Duran for story tomorrow and the Boston Red Sox actually have a decent system. I think with the way they were fleeced by the the Cardinals, are definitely going to hold out for what they can get, Tommy. And, and it's just are these teams willing to, to send a, a higher prospect to get the job done? You know, we've seen deals that just filtered out into what the hell did they do here? We were thinking bigger names, and we always see like these second tier prospects go. If you want you want a guy like Story, and we're going to talk about another guy here in a second, but. I want. I expect a bigger name prospect to be moved this off season or this trade deadline season. You know, I just don't know, Tim. I don't know because if you're okay, let, let me give you the other side of this. If I'm a general manager and I'm sitting back, right, and I'm going to myself, all right, look, Corey Seager is going to be free agent at the end of this year. Carlos Correa is going to be free agent at the end of this year. Hmm. Trevor Story is going to be free agent at the end of this year. So, you know, am I renting this guy? If, I, if I'm not renting him, okay, if I'm not renting this player, then I'm sitting back and I'm saying to myself, well, why can't I just wait a couple of months and buy him? Unless I believe, like the Red Sox, maybe the White Sox, that I could win definitely this year. So teams that, like I said, a team like Oakland, they believe, look, he's a pure rental guy. You know, he's a pure rental guy, uh, but he could get us over the hump. You know, we could win a playoff game, a series with him. We may have big things. A team like the Mets are going, oh, man, you know what? We went all in with Lindor. Maybe we even signed Story because we got a big guy up in the front office now. And a team like the Giants is saying, well, look, we know we leave the major leagues in home runs, but how long can it last? I want that guy in the middle of the lineup. But a team like the White Sox, a team like the Red Sox, I don't know if they're going, you know what? They're the smarter player to have. That's why I think that the Yankees are out on story as well, because there's so many people going, yeah, go get story and trade, uh, you know, Glaber and don't worry about it. Well, the Yankees might be moving on from Glaber Torres anyway. Luke Voigt can't stay on the field. You move LeMayu over, move Torres to second base. But don't the Yankees need a big left-handed bat? Well, Corey Seager's that guy. So to me, you have to think long-term if you're a general manager. And while Trevor Story would be a big move today, there are bigger team needs. And for teams like the White Sox and teams like the Red Sox, I'm not sure I'm not sure if Trevor Story is going to be on a team this year that he, he's going to be on the team next year. I think Trevor Story is a rental. Let's go back to Washington then. And, Tommy, they were my last pick, if you remember when we did, did our, our uh, predictions. I have them saved in my phone for the end of the year so we can look back at it. But... They were my last wild card team. You could throw that out the window. There's seven games out in the East. There's seven games out in the second wild card. They're losing today before that tragedy happened outside the stadium. You know, they're they're definitely. I think they're in the tank. When you look at what the future of the Nationals is and will be, it's rebuild. They got the World Series. Strasburg, a problem in in rehab. 
So he's still on the shelf. Corbin just looks like absolute crap. Scherzer's your, your ticket to, to helping that rebuild along. They got to move him, Tom, and I think that he is going to go. Here's the problem. I, I don't know if they believe that. I believe that Washington looks at their team and they go, okay, we have two of the top ten players in the sport. We have Juan Soto and Trey Turner. Go right. Uh, they have two arms coming up. This new kid Cavalli has just been. He's got like 103 strikeouts and like 40 something in- innings. It's unbelievable what he's doing. Um, we have some arms coming up. We didn't go crazy be- on, on a closer. We're going to lose Brad Hand at the end of the year, but we're going to free up so much money uh, that all of a sudden we're going to have so some guys here. On the offensive side, I think they, think they feel pretty good. Carter Keboom is still coming up. I think they don't feel as bad about their organization as they probably should. And a lot of that has to do with the idea that, look, they're like the Angels, Tim. They are just front-loaded. They have literally two of the best top ten players in the sport. And if you told me Juan Soto and Trey Turner were two of the top five players in the sport— I don't think I'd give you much pushback. That's how good Washington looks at themselves. And I don't know if they're willing to give up Scherzer because of how they see themselves. Your philosophy makes a lot of sense. They could go get Scherzer, and Scherzer's not that rental guy, right? I mean, Scherzer's the guy that you're holding out. You want a big prospect? I want, like, three big prospects, right? I mean, you're holding out for an absolute steal for Scherzer. The problem is, I don't know if Washington agrees with you. Look, if Washington was like 13 games out, 14 games out, I think they would agree with you. But they're they're fooling themselves into saying, you know what? Our core of this team is pretty good. We might get back into it. We could get hot. You know, Soto hasn't hit in the first half. And moving forward, you know, I, I, I like our organization. I like what we're doing. I don't think they think of this as a one-and-done situation. I agree with you they should, but I just don't think they do. We get hot. We make the playoffs. Straz comes back. Corbin in the in the postseason all of a sudden turns it around, and we win another World Series. That I get it. I get it, Tom. And when you're dealing with arms like that, it's totally understandable. The crazy thing is that you and I sit behind this computer, and we, we have our own thoughts of if we were a GM. Sometimes we're right. Sometimes they're wrong. I think they're wrong. Well, you know, look, let me give you the, the other side of it, because I agree with you, and I've said that a couple of times, but I, I want to make that clear. I, I want to give you the, the counter-argument here, okay? The devil's advocate argument is this. All right, Tim, we're only seven games back. The New York Mets, who sit in first place, just lost their number one star, Francisco Lindor. Carlos Carrasco is having a hard time coming back from an injury. The Mets' bullpen just got blown up in Pittsburgh and gave up a grand slam. Their bullpen is kind of falling apart. So the New York Mets are the big threat, quote-unquote, only seven games back. We have like 12 games head-to-head with them. We also didn't have Juan Soto for the first half. He, he, was, he was miserable. We know what he can be. We also didn't have Strasburg for the ha- first half. If he comes back, he can be something special. Um, uh, all we have to do is trim off a couple of games here. And I think that that's the Washington mentality. Like you said, we know once we get to the playoffs what we can do. We got a frontline starter in Scherzer, number one. We get our, our Strasburg coming back, number two. And all of a sudden, we got a one-two. We hope Corbin turns it around. Soto's red hot. Trey Turner's an MVP candidate. I mean, this is how you talk yourself into things. Again, I'm not saying it's right. You know who we watched talk themselves into this over the last three or four years, Tim? The Phillies. The Phillies have talked themselves into over three or four years not trading guys, not making moves, not doing things because they think they got the shot. And we've looked back nearly every August and said, yeah, something's wrong with Philly. I don't see it happening in Philly. What's going on with Philly? And year after year, they don't make that big trade. They don't do that big sell. They actually have been buyers, actually. And we sit back and we go, What's going on with Philly? Well, I think Washington's in a very similar, if not the same exact situation and the same mindset. Let me give you three more names, and we'll talk about the Cubs, who have a couple guys that could be relocating soon. But uh, first one of the three, and I would assume that the way the Marlins are being built, that this guy would stay a part of that that team. Uh, you know, you love the pitching that the Marlins have coming up. 
And uh, granted, there there are a few games even behind Washington when we're talking about the the playoffs. But Starling Marte, I know his name's popped up, Tommy. They have they've offered him a four year extension with over fifty million dollars. So does does he does he stay, or do you think he's a guy that maybe they can flip him as a rental and get a couple more prospects? I think Marte's a hundred percent gone. Um, the problem is the team that needs him the most is the New York Yankees who are falling out of this thing and he bats on the right side, which just isn't a fit. You know, they need a left-handed batter. Uh, I've, I, again, I've pretty in tune with who the Yankees are looking at. Marte is oddly not on their list, even though plays center field and the Yankees are falling out of it. So you have to wonder who needs that type of player. Look, Starling Marte at this point in his career is a very good player. I don't think he's hitting 350, which, what is he? He was just hitting 350, like, coming into All-Star break. But he's going to be about a table setter, 280, 290. He's going to knock you out 15 balls, and he's going to steal 25 bases, right? I mean, everybody could use that. But, again, who are the teams that need bats the most? The teams that need the bats the most are Milwaukee and San Francisco. And the teams that need the bats the most are not looking at a long-term kind of guy. They're going, okay, rental where the Marlins are going, we love this guy. So do we want to let him kind of walk for a mid-range, if, or if not a bottom-range prospect, just to kind of hope we get somebody back? And then maybe he signs and we, we never see Starling again? Because they just showed how much they like him, offering him 50 mil. They, they showed how much they like him. Do they do that and let him tempt, you know, test fate by going to San Francisco, by going to uh, you know, a city that needs him going to Milwaukee and going to that table setting team. I just don't know if Miami's going to be willing to kind of let him go to one of those teams where maybe he signs. Now, if Starling Marte wanted to go to a team like the Yankees, I think they would make a deal tomorrow because the Yankees aren't signing Starling Marte next year. They have a couple of center fielders coming up in the next couple of years. They're not giving a, a, a 30 year old another contract. It's just not happening. So I think a lot of Starling Marte is he will be dealt, but where we will he be dealt? I think that's a really interesting conversation because the Marlins are going to look out for their best interest, not Marte's best interest. So the next two guys are, are, are bashers. They like to hit the long ball, Tommy. And I know this first one, you, you have uh, your team is involved in this situation probably. And that's Joey Gallo of the Texas Rangers, Vegas boy. The two teams that keep popping up are the New York Yankees and the San Diego Padres. And we know when you look at the need for a bat, look, the Yankees have the tools to, to get this job done. The problem is, Tom, with the way your team is playing, is there still a guy that's going to get the job done for you? I don't want any part of them. I don't want him anywhere, anywhere here. And let me make this very clear. I am a big Joey Gallo fan. You know that. I've been a big Joey Gallo fan from, from the, the, the very first day, okay? I like everything about him, and I enjoy his game. I, there's no reason why I wouldn't like him, except here's the reason. I spent, three weeks ago, I spent 45 minutes talking to Brian Hoke from Major League Baseball Network, covers the New York Yankees. And we sat around for about a half hour out of 45 minutes bashing Brian Cashman's design of this team, how he builds this team, which is 220 hitters that hit the long ball, strike out a ton, and they bat righty. Now, I then sat back and I talked to Michael Kay. We spoke for 40, 45 minutes or a half hour or so, and most of the time was spoken about Brian Cashman. How does he build this team? No table setters, guys that bat about 250, 220, you know, uh, hit uh, uh, 40 home runs, but they strike out a lot, and they're righty batters. Well, Joey Gallo plays center field. That's good. He's a lefty. Right, Tim? Okay. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that. Will the Yankees throw another guy that is home run or nothing on this team? I don't think you could do it, Tim. You have Luke Voigt. You have, at this point, Aaron Judge is, is a better player than that. He does strike out a lot. So you have Luke Voigt. You got Aaron Judge. You have Giancarlo Stanton. Aaron Hicks is becoming that kind of guy. Um, 
Glaber Torres is becoming that kind of guy. Gary Sanchez is that kind of guy. You know, with the exception of DJ LeMahieu, really most of the team is that kind of guy. I just don't believe the Yankees are a team makeup fit for what Joey Gallo is. To me, it's a move where Brian Cashman has to be hearing the questions around the corner. Is he going to stake you know, his career at this point? And the Yankee fan, massive backlash on a guy like Joey Gallo. I don't think they do it. The whole time, that, even when the season started, we knew Gallo was coming up. <clears throat> we knew Texas wasn't probably going to be in the playoffs, which they're not. San Diego just seemed like the destination. And, and the way that the season's turned out, look, if you're going to add that bat in there with Tatis and Machado and the way Cronenworth played this year, Hosmer, obviously the veteran at first, it makes sense to me. It really does. And, but you just said you can't do it if you're the Yankees. You and I both, everything you said is 100% correct. Everything that the analyst says is 100% correct. That doesn't mean uh, Brian Cashman is not going to do it, Tom. No, that, and that's the thing. I mean, Brian Cashman has one of those jobs where he feels like he could do whatever he wants, right? And look, it, he feels a need. If you throw Joey Gallo in center field, he feels a need, right? I mean, look, the Yankees are, are, are playing Tim LaCastro in center field, Greg Allen, an outcast from Cleveland in center field. They don't have a center fielder. And even when they do have a center fielder, it's Brett Gardner. Okay, it, it, next year it's Aaron Hicks again and his two forty batting average, right? Uh, Esteban Floriel is their savior in the minor leagues. Look, guy hit two home runs the other day. He's, you know, he's got about ten home runs on the season, about ten stolen bases. He's batting two hundred eight in Triple A to him, right? So the idea that yes, the Yankees need a center fielder, the Yankees need need a, a left handed bat desperately. They need a center fielder desperately. I'm not disagreeing with that. He, there's ways to spin this. The problem is, you know, it's the Adam Dunn syndrome. You can have one guy on your team that bats 220, 230, you know, and, and bombs 40. You can't have two, three, four, five, and you can't have it when it is the number one topic. The reason why I mentioned I had those guys on Sports Garden Network, right? The reason why I mentioned I had those guys wasn't to toot my own, hey, look at the guests that I have. No, it was to say I had two guys that cover the Yankees every single day. They are as close to this team as humanly possible. And both of them bashed the construction of the team that Cashman has put together where it is home run or nothing. If these guys are saying it, and the fans are saying it. And the reporters are saying it. Cashman can't not hear this, right? He, I mean, he just can't. How about 41-year-old Nelson Cruz? Tommy batting 300 this year, 18 home runs. Ends up somewhere at the deadline. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because he should go somewhere. He's going to help a team massively. But who? Who's the team that need him? Again, Yankees are out of the discussion. Red Sox are out of discussion because they have J.D. Martinez, right? He's not going anywhere. Uh, the Astros are out of the discussion because they got Jordan Alvarez. So the Yankees, Red Sox, and Houston are all three teams that in the American League, look, Cruz is going in the American League, right? There are three teams that all have their DH log jammed. So they go, okay, the A's make a little bit of sense. The A's can fit him in. Oakland makes a little bit of sense. They, you know, basically got rid of the Chris Davis experiment a couple of years ago, but he was working it. So the A's make a little sense. Toronto doesn't because they like to use that DH role because you have the Springer situation. They just trade for Corey Dickerson, who's eventually going to be there. So there's one team that's left. Okay, Oakland, I'm going to say makes a little sense. One team that's left, Tim, that's Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And Tampa Bay could use him. And all of a sudden, Tampa Bay becomes scary with him in the middle of the lineup. And don't tell me, by the way, any of these National League teams, because I keep hearing people go, oh, yeah, the Giants could use him. Yeah, they could. There's no DH, guys. He cannot play the field. He hasn't played the field in how many years? So, to me, it's a two-team race. Oakland and Tampa. And if Tampa gets him, wow, watch out. And I think you can get him reasonably this far as what the return would be just because of his age. Yeah, they're not going to ask a, a top prospect, maybe not even a second-tier prospect. He is a pure rental for any team. He'll probably be back with Minnesota next year anyway. Let me go to the Cubs, Tom. One more one more team, and then we'll take the timeout. We go to the Cubs. They're 500 right now. 
just coming off a horrible, absolutely horrible losing streak that put them in this situation. Because I think if you go back to when they were in first place and, and on a run, we might not be necessarily talking about where Craig, Craig Kimbrell and Chris Bryant are going to end up. But now I think it's a little more conceivable that this is the way that has to go if you're a Cubs fan. And not what you want to talk about, but look, Kimbrell back to normal, right, Tommy? He's got an ERA of 0.5, whip 0.6, uh, four, four, almost a 5-to-1 K-to-walk ratio. And then you have Chris Bryant, who look, he knew his contract was coming up, right, Tom? Let's, let's face it, although he has teetered off dramatically since the beginning of the year. But yet, I, I assume these two guys are gone. Not only that, I wouldn't even stop there. I think teams are going to call for Javier Baez. I think teams are going to call for uh, Anthony Rizzo. I think Kyle Hendricks would be a massive boost to some team out there. Um, so I think the Cubs have have some guy. Even Ryan Tapera, right? I think the Cubs have some guys uh, that are definitely going to go. But you also have the secondary guys that people are going to call about. So let's start with Kimbrel. You have to look at contenders that need a closer, and there's not a lot of them, right? There's really not a lot of them. You know, San Francisco's doing it the, the way that they're doing it. They could certainly use him, but is San Francisco going to kind of consider themselves the closer? No, I don't know. You know, San Diego doesn't need him. The Dodgers don't need him. You look at Milwaukee, well, they certainly don't need him. Who else is a contender in that central? You know, I, I don't think St. Louis really is anymore. Um, you look at the Mets. Yeah, despite the Edwin Diaz kind of breakdown, Mets don't need Kimbrell right now. I don't know if anyone else is a contender in there. I mean, Washington, if they were, they could have made a move, but we're debating if they're going to kind of get out of this thing. Oakland's not going to trade for him only because they feel like their bullpen is one of their best assets, even though they lost uh, Hendricks. Again, that eliminates the White Sox. Houston set Boston and the Yankees. Boston and the Yankees are the two teams that make the most sense for Kimbrell. Here's the problem. The Yankees, because Chapman's a disaster, the Yankees might not consider themselves a buyer because the New York Yankees are in a position where you go, you know what, things are getting away from us here. <laughs> you know, things are getting away from us. So that leaves the Boston Red Sox. And... It would be a weird situation to watch him go back to Boston. I think the fans would love it. People would love it. But I heard he left there and there was some bad blood. I heard he had left there and there was some not so good things. So I think Kimbrell's going to be on the move. But Tim, finding that right match, maybe San Fran, maybe Oakland. But the two teams that would pretty much come calling for his services are both kind of weird situations. As far as Chris Bryant goes... What helps Brian out is this. Chris Bryan can play first. He can play third. We've watched him play the outfield. Uh, you know, you can live with him in other position. He's versatile. He's very versatile. And he's a guy that, you, I know you said, look, his numbers have fallen off. But you know you could put him as the number three hitter and you know he could be fine. Um, he's been linked to the New York Mets forever. Forever he's been linked to the Mets. But you know what? they got about three third basemen now with J.D. Davis hitting two bombs today coming back or Jonathan VR. So would you move him over to first? No, you got Alonzo there. All right, do you feel comfortable with him in the outfield? Uh, you, you know, Nimmo, Conforto, uh, where is he going to fit? Okay, you could make him fit, but it's not a pressing need for the New York Mets. Once again, we're going to go back to the teams that need the hitting, and I don't think Oakland's going to be in a spot in this in this situation because they have Chapman at third and Olsen at first. I think you look at the team that needs the hitting, potentially Tampa Bay throws their hat into the ring, and he's a Tampa Bay kind of guy where they could make him play three positions. I still believe San Francisco absolutely needs another bat, and I don't care that they lead the league in home runs. But, Tim, the Milwaukee Brewers are the best fit for Chris Bryant. I just don't think Milwaukee trades, or Chicago trades within division to Milwaukee. So I'll go out here and I'll say, you know what, I, I think he, I know he's been linked to the Mets a million times over. I think he winds up in San Francisco, and he's kind of that guy in San Fran. Isn't this the blueprint of what the, the Cubbies did right before they won their first World Series? I, you know, my problem is is that they're not... They're, first of all, their minor league system is atrocious in Chicago. Uh, outside of, like, Brendan Davis is pretty good. They, they, they have a terrible minor league system right now. But the problem is I don't think that Chicago's going to go out full-out sell. 
full out sell mode. I just don't see them doing it, and they should. You know, Anthony Rizzo, I know he's, you know, he'll never buy another beer in, in Chicago for the rest of his life. And he's, you know, Chicago lore at this point. But Anthony Rizzo is a bat I would be getting rid of. I'd get rid of him tomorrow. Javi Baez is a free agent at the end of the year. I mentioned all the shortstop free agents. I'd trade Javi ba Baez tomorrow, and you could get a pretty good haul for a guy that could play second and short right back there. Kyle Hendricks, I mentioned it. Get rid of Hendricks. I don't think the Cubs are going to be that gutsy to go out there and go, Bryant, Rizzo, Hendricks, Kimbrell, Baez, gone. If they did that, Tim, they might be building another dynasty with the halls that they would get back minor league system-wise, rebuild that completely. I just don't think that they would have the guts to go out there and say, all right, these guys are gone. Major League trade deadline is July 30th. And, of course, next weekend I think we'll have a lot more rumors to talk about on E-Wave Sports as we head to our final timeout on a Saturday night. We come back. Shohei Otani discussion time. What can he do in the second half? We'll talk about it. Tim and Tom. Keyway Sports, Saturday night. But since we haven't won a pennant in over 30 years, nobody recognizes us, not even in our own hometown. That's why we carry the American Express card. No matter how far out of first we are, it's cool. You know, it keeps us from getting shut out at our favorite hotels and restaurant-type places. So you're looking for some big league clock. Apply for that little green home run heater. Look what it's done for us. People still don't recognize us, but we're contenders now. The American Express card. Don't steal home without it. Now back to Eagle Sports with Tim Olmsby and Tom Barton. Still waiting on that American Express sponsorship. Uh, definitely not holding my breath, but hey, we can all dream. Tim Mugglesby, Tom Barton, going to wrap tonight's show up with a little Shohei Otani talk. And Tom, I saved this for last because I thought this would be, this would be a good discussion to have. And look, I'm the biggest Shohei Otani mark in the history of marks. But a lot of what you said over on your Wagering Week podcast, by the way, which has become historically, Tommy, my drive home entertainment from work on Friday nights. I, I always pop your podcast on. You had a great discussion about Otani and what to expect here in the second half of, of the Major League Baseball season. And, you know, we had talked about the debate going into the break between Vlad and Otani for MVP. You were kind of surprised that I, I agreed with you on Vlad, not only from a, let's look at it from a monetary standpoint, that we both have money on Vlad to win the MVP, but. I had felt that Vlad was having a better all-around season as far as when you looked at the batting average and the strikeouts. You know, the guy's batting well over 300 and has way less strikeouts than Otani. But Otani was in the middle of just a, an impressive run at the time, Tommy, which right now he does lead the Major, the major League Baseball with home runs in 33. The problem is, and, and I'm gonna, you're going to break this down for us, but where is Otani going to sit as far as what the second half can present for him and fatigue? And so far, through the first two games of the second half, Tom, Shohei Otani is one for ten with six strikeouts. Yeah, him and uh, one other player tonight, the only players that didn't get a hit in that, that big-time Angels win. You know, my argument with Otani has to begin with, look, I like this guy. You're a mark. I, I'm a big fan of what he's doing. I, I defend that he, you know, first of all, the idea that we could only have one face of baseball is ridiculous, by the way. But is he the new face of baseball? Sure, I'll go with that. He, he's a, he's very good for baseball. Um, I had Jay Paris on. He explained very, very succinctly how he picks up the bat, he hands it, he's got respect for the equipment. I mean, th this is what this guy does. But with that said, Tim, there are limitations. He's still human. Okay? We often forget that. In the world of playing video games in a world of fantasy baseball in a world of of removed emotions we forget that they are at the core human beings and i say that and you go of course well there are just certain workloads that you cannot have we know 
guys have written books on this. Guys have made careers on this in baseball organizations, on the minor leaguers, and how you have to build up their innings limit. You go from 60 to 120, there's a risk with doubling it up. And then you don't go from 120 to 200. You know, you have to bring it up slowly. And that's why we talk about innings limits, and that's why we talk about guys getting pulled back, because there is a absolute book that major leaguers, major league scouts, major league organizations use with minor leaguers when they say, all right, well, if they pitch this many this year, they went 80 this year, they could go 120 or 130. We're not going from 80 to 180. It just doesn't happen. So with that being said, Shohei Otani pitched 67 innings in his entire career. That's the most. And you go, well, what about what he did in Japan, Tim? What about what he did back then? He was 22 years old. That was four years ago. This is coming off of a pandemic season. Oh, by the way, he barely got any starts in. This is coming off of the season before that. Oh, by the way, he missed the entire season from pitching. Year before that, only had a handful of innings. So you have to go back four years. And then you start to look at the Japanese numbers at 22 and 21 years old and 20 years old he still didn't pitch and log that many innings. There's a reason why he's sitting here as a five-inning pitcher, if that. He has this year 13 starts this year. Um, seven of them have been five innings or less. Four of them have been four innings or less. He's only got two starts where he's gone after the sixth inning. That's who he is. And it's not that they're monitoring him. You could see fatigue start to set in. We talk about his walk problems, and he's got bad walk problems. So he did all this, and he's going out there and playing every day, albeit as a DH, but he's still playing every day. He's also gotten, oh, okay, well, we're going to do the home run derby. Oh, we're going to do the all-star game. He's also the highest endorsed athlete out there. And you go, oh, that's good for his wallet. But a lot of endorsements means a lot of, commercial time and going out and he said well i don't take batting practice you know what that's because you can't right now but during the game he's under the cage and he's swinging i watched a physically exhausted human being during the home run derby and you can tell me it's colorado you can use all that uh, that excuses that you want tim we've watched a lot of home run derbies we have never ever seen somebody bent over and physically just you can see it physically spent after round one. Alonzo is a fat dude. Let's just put it like that, okay? The polar bear is an out-of-shape guy. He was not sweating. He wasn't uh, hunched over. He wasn't uh, doing that. Now, do I think Otani's in better physical shape than, than Alonzo? Of course I do. Do I think Otani is in better physical shape than most of them? Yeah. But the toll it's got to be taking on him the media scrutiny, all of this. And sure, he's in the dugout playing, you know, with a ball toss game and maybe doesn't show up, but eventually his body is just, there's only so much he could take. Babe Ruth, and everybody tries to compare Otani to Babe Ruth. I actually just wrote an article this week that, that it, it's just, it's a ridiculous statement. Otani on his best day isn't Babe Ruth on his worst day, okay? But Babe Ruth even said, there had to come a time where I was going to give up pitching or hitting because you just can't do both for that long. And he's the only guy that we know that have done it that long. Look at the other guys in the minor leagues that have tried to do this, Brendan McKay and everyone else. This is year one of this experiment. Don't tell me it's it, it's not. Well, you know, at 22 years old in Japan, different, different experiment. This is year one of the experiment. It has gone swimmingly well, Tim, right? Unbelievably well. Ridiculous. But Otani is on pace to double his all-time innings. That's what his pace is. He's on pace to be playing DH every day. They said, well, maybe he's going to start playing the outfield. Tim, he's just going to get physically worn down. And he's going to get physically worn down because the human body just can't take this. And I think that the Angels would be smart to shut him down as a pitcher at this point. I agree 100%. Shut him down as a pitcher. <clears throat> With, the, with, with this caveat, let's do it this way then, Tom. Because I think you said it. Physically, you produced the stats. 
he just his body's not used to this type of pressure put on it. I think mentally a little bit, it's got to be wearing on him as well. There's a lot of pressure on him, especially with with Trout not being there. Um, if and we, you know we talk about these scenarios, we, we can call it the Washington National Syndrome here. Tom, the, the Angels are five and a half games out of that second wild card. I know, I know, I know right? We're, we're stretching here, but somehow they've kept themselves above 500 with one of the worst pitching staffs I've seen if and this is a huge if if Trout comes back soon if Rendon can get off the deal and figure it out if Upton comes back soon Walsh continues hitting talk about offense they got offense can you shut Otani down and maybe bring him back if they make the playoffs is that a scenario or am I stretching this too far here no that's exactly what they're gonna have to do Tim because look yeah, you know, he's sitting right now at 67 innings, okay? He's on pace for 121 innings. In his entire career, if you include everything, the most he's ever pitched was 51 innings. So he's passed his four-year career total innings already this year. Now, again, he's got 1.2 innings pitched in 2019 and 20 combined. So any minor league coach would tell you right now 67 innings, this is too much. You're going to blow his arm out, okay? 121 innings, impossible. Now add on to that, okay, what if what if he does play in the playoffs, right? He's getting game one start. You get five, six out of him there. Okay, you need him again in the series. That's five, six. Let's say you make it out of the first round, right? You slug your way out of the first round. Are you going to add, Tim, another 20, 25 innings to that? Or, or what if he starts going deeper into games? Are we looking at 145 or 150 Tim, there's no way you could go from one inning in two years to 140 or 150 inning pace. A hundred inning pace is too much. It, right. It's un, unheard of. Most people that I spoke to you know, that are minor league evaluators and people that deal with arm problems and people that deal with what, what is going to happen, like 80 innings would be crazy. He should be looking at 60. Well, he's at 67 right now. He's already gone too far. You could say, call him a cyborg, and oh, he's not human and all that stuff. You know what? He'll start to be human once he crosses 100 innings. And then 120, 125, 140, 150? What are they going to need if they actually do start winning, Tim? That's the problem. They have got to be more careful with what they're doing with Otani. And I don't think you have to go any further than just looking at, again, like you said, the All-Star break coming out of the All-Star break. All of a sudden, Otani looks tired. It's not that he looks bad out there. He looks tired. He's not into a slump. He looks tired. I think you give him the day off tomorrow. Off day Monday. Bring him back Tuesday. I think you'd stop. Look, he, you, said how, you said the innings that he goes when he pitches. He's not the guy that's going to be the difference between them making the playoffs or not in that rotation. Shut him down pitching-wise. Maybe you go out. You see where you're at in two weeks. Maybe you go pick up a John Grady to, to bring in a veteran for the, for those innings that you have with Cobb, who's pitched actually pretty decently here the last two months. Heaney, you can, you, you know, he's okay. He's okay. And look, they, they moved Bundy to the bullpen because he's been just absolutely horrid. But I see him getting another start over Suarez anyway. So maybe he bounces back. And you just hope, Tom, that they, they stick around long enough and the bats come back around that you can go to Otani in the playoffs. But and then you have another veteran that you bring in at the deadline to, to eat up innings in the playoffs. It, it's just it's a bad situation for him to be in. And, and look, you called it from day one. You said, I don't like him doing both. He should be a everyday baseball player, not a pitcher. And, and look, he's done. He's done un, unbelievable. But we're looking at a swoon here real soon. And it's already started. Here's some names for you. Obviously, everyone's shirt wants Scherzer, Berrios, Marquez. You mentioned John Gray. Charlie Morton's out there. Kyle Hendricks, I mentioned. Uh, Gibson from Texas. Tyler Anderson from Pittsburgh. Cole Hamels, maybe. Or Luis Castillo. Any of these names? Sure. I, look, if I'm the Angels, go get me two medium-sized guys. Go get me. Anderson from Pittsburgh and Gibson from Texas. I'll give you smaller pro project kind of guys in my minor league system, or a few, you know, a few of them. You need more than one. That's the thing. The Angels aren't an ace away. The Angels are, are two mid range guys away. They don't have an ace, you know, unless they have Otani out there. 
bring in two mid guys, right, Tom? You, you go on some type of a run. You bring Adele up from AAA, spark the lineup, and you move into the playoffs with something to play for at that point because you have a rested Otani, at least somewhat rested, a healthier Trout. Rendon, who's just been absolutely garbage, which is crazy to you and I, right? We never saw this coming. They're a completely different team at that point, and it could happen. I know I'm stretching really far here, but things like this happen sometimes. Ward, Odell, and Detmers for Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. I, I wouldn't do it. No. no. That's, what's gonna, if, that's, what, that's what you're going to need. If you told me I could get John Gray and, and uh, Kyle Gibson and avoid moving o, o, uh, Joe Odell, sign me up. I'm okay with that. Yeah. My, my problem is this. The, the phone rings. I see the Angels on the line. I'm going, cool, I'm getting Odell today. <laughs> right. you, you know what I mean? Like, that's just it, – it's every GM's first question. You have, you know, you have a, a hot young center fielder that, that everybody wants, and you got Mike Trout, so you don't need him. Give me Odell. And let's not forget that when Artie Moreno is involved, Tom, he has a very often overpaid for a guy like a Zach Greinke that just never worked out for that rental situation. Angels will probably go get, like, Nelson Cruz because that's exactly what they need is more hitting. <laughs> right. <laughs> We, hell of a deal today, Tom. We got Chris Bryant and Nelson Cruz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and gave up Adele in the process, right? Yeah. There you go. Tom, you got a uh, great weekend. We're going to let you get out of here. And, you know, when you talk about Tom Barton Sports, unbelievable hockey season. And now baseball. Look, it's a consistent long haul in, in baseball. But, again, showing profit as we move into the second half. Just a uh, craziness over at Tom Barton Sports, and then, of course, Wagering Week, my favorite podcast. Yeah, guys, go check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com. We're back from the All-Star break. If you sign up today, right, you're going to get 30 days of service for less than $100. Think about where that brings you to, right? That all brings you the bulk of Major League Baseball season. This is the time to do it. I got three games on the board tomorrow. Sometimes I got two. Sometimes I got one. Sometimes I got four. Every single play for 30 days at TomBartonSports.com, you get every single play. As far as the podcast goes, yeah, look, every single week we put out a podcast. I'm going to have my show on tomorrow morning, Sports Garden Network, hashtag SGN. After the show, we do a podcast a little over time. We take all of the interviews. So I mentioned Michael Kay. I mentioned Brian Oak. I mentioned Jay Paris. Uh, you know, all of the interviews that we have, you can always go right there. And I ask you guys, please, look. You know, TomBartonSports.com, I'd love to make you guys some money, but it, it costs nothing. If you listen to my voice just a minute, just like, subscribe, go to the podcast, make sure that you go, you know what, these guys are pretty good. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. It's called Wagering Week. Tommy, have a good vacation. We'll talk to you next weekend, man. I'll have, oh, next week, I wonder who's going to be playing where, man. It should be a very interesting week. I expect at least one trade to go through. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. For Demond Cotton, Tim Unglesby, have a great rest of your Saturday night into Sunday. Tomorrow night, Chris Wynn will join me for the Super Sunday Night Edition of Heat Wave Sports. Until then, Heat Wave Sports only on Fox Sports Radio. That's 98.9 FM.